Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Pray. Lord God, we do come to you this morning. We are so thankful to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, to be together. Thankful to be reminded of that love. Thankful that you sent your son to the cross for each and every one of us. What an awesome reminder of your love. Quiet our hearts this morning, Lord, as we come and we listen for your voice. As we hear your voice in the midst of what has been a busy week, a crazy week, I ask that even at this moment, Lord, that you would quiet our hearts. Quiet us so that we can hear your voice. Speak to us through this message, through this passage, Lord, in Hebrews. I pray that it would be powerful because you are powerful. It would remind us to keep the important things first. Remind us to let go of the things that don't matter. Put you first and foremost in our lives. And you will take care of the rest. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Passages from uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 1. We're actually going to go to 17, but... So hang on, because there's going to be one verse at the end you're not going to see. <laughs> it says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason... It can never be the same, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year that make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, they would, not have sto- would they not have stopped offering it? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings... Burn offerings and sin offerings you, not, you do not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, Every priest stands and performs this religious duty. Again and again offers the same sacrifice which can never take away the sins. But when this priest 
had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be together. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to look in your word and to hear from you. Thank you, Lord, that we can come. We can worship you in word and song and deed. And Lord, that we ask that even at this moment that you'd quiet our hearts. Open our ears. Help us to be more like you. Help us, Lord, to leave here differently than we came. Lord, we pray at this very moment for anyone who doesn't know who you are, who hasn't made a commitment to that relationship with you, that, Lord, this morning, that you would even now, at this very moment, tug on their hearts. That they, Lord, wouldn't leave here having not made that decision. That they wouldn't leave here without giving you a shot, giving you a chance to totally flip their world upside down. And Lord, we'll, we'll honor you and glory, glorify you in the midst of all of that. Because we know that you are the king. You are the king. Lord, help us as we hear your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. I, have, I do have one piece of business real quick before we get started. Out in the narthex, when you leave, there will be a table out there and a couple ladies, Kim Renner and Brenda Bartlett, will be out there. If you have given ties that had your name connected to it in any way over the last year, they have a record of that, and their responsibility is to get you that record. Uh, you will make their job and life a whole lot easier if you would stop by that table, grab that paper... Even if you don't want it, you can grab it and let them know that. But they would really appreciate it. It would save them a lot of time. And at the end of the day, it'll save us stamps because we don't have to send them. They'll, you'll make, otherwise, they'll track you down. I don't know if you know them very well. They're both, they're both pretty good at tracking people, but you would help them out. So over on the right-hand side, if you would, as you leave this morning, uh, stop and see them real quick. It'll only take a second. They'll, they'll have your paper, and you won't hardly even have to slow down. And they would appreciate it, and we would appreciate it. So thank you for, uh, for doing that. Uh, uh-oh. We have a problem. Houston, no, we fixed the problem. <laughs> I didn't know where it went. I don't know. I would have, first, I would have cried. <laughs> inside, inside, Kenny. I would have just, Yeah. <laughs> You know it's bad when Kenny's offering a tissue. <laughs> and when Veronica laughs at that, you know it's a good joke, huh? <laughs> I don't know. We must have lost a light or something. It's really dark right here. Sorry. So we're in a third week of talking about what's new 
We, you know, we're starting in January, and probably by now most of all of us have trashed our, uh, our New Year's resolutions, I would, I would think. If you haven't, uh, after service, let me know, because I'd be, I'd be curious to hear. I, always, I love those memes where you see a person January 1st and the, uh, and the Y or wherever is chucked full, and then by January 2nd, it's right back to where it was. I think those are funny, right? We start all these with these, all these new ideas, and we very rarely finish them. Uh, and, and of course, we have to start all over again. We have to try again uh, the next year, the next year, the next year. But so as we've been looking at, some, at Scripture as of late, um, I like to look at some new things that make a difference in my life. Uh, and you may remember that the first week we talked about Genesis chapter 3, where God's mercy was new. His mercy was new after the fall. Adam and Eve had made a mistake, had sinned, had fallen, and God found a way to keep that relationship. And that new mercy was, was exciting because at that moment, they had hidden. They knew they had done wrong, but they had hidden. Ah, there we go. Okay, just want to make sure it was up there. And, and last week, we talked about hope. Do you remember in, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus came. And there was this new hope after 400 years of silence. A brand new hope. An exciting moment in history. Something new was going to happen. They had gone 400 years not hearing from God. And something new was going to happen. And there was this hope that a Messiah, the King, would come. Now, we know that the king didn't come in exactly the way they wanted it to happen. And they didn't, they thought it would happen a little differently. And they thought he would rule at that very moment. And that's not what happened. But today we're looking at Hebrews and we're going to talk about that king. And today we're going to talk about the solution. Because that's what's new. And that's what changed the world. Was that God made a solution. For each and every one of us. God made a solution to the problems we had. We, cannot, we can't solve that solution that we have in our own life. See, and I think... Oops, sorry. I got tangled up here. Um, we like, in this passage, we like the rules, do we not? We spend a lot of time in the world with rules. And we like black and white. We like a line drawn in the sand. We think that that will help us somehow take care of the problems we have. If we have a line drawn in the sand and black is on one side and white is on the other, we'll be okay. And this passage reminds me that those rules don't matter. They said, you know what? You had those rules in the Old Testament. 613 of those rules. And they solved nothing. At the end of the day, there was still sin. There were rules. The Jews had gone rules over rules over rules. So they had enough rules to keep from even getting close to breaking the real rule. And yet, that rule didn't help them. It didn't, at the end of the day, take care of the sin problem that they had. And the Scripture here, it says, every year they had to continue to offer sacrifice. Again, offer sacrifice. Again, offer sacrifice. Again, offer sacrifice. Why? Because there wasn't, there wasn't a once and for all. 
at that point. And see, we forget that the people that the Hebrews, um, that, that the writer here is talking about, they knew who this Jesus was. And yet they got hung up on some of their Old Testament stuff. They got hung up on some of the old and got and kind of mixed it all together. And so they, they took some of the new. They knew who this Jesus was, and yet they got hung up on the old. And so they liked rules. And I, I'll be honest, I like rules, right? You like rules. We like to know where the line is. It's a whole lot easier to discern when we step over that. But I, have, I do have one rule that I think... Uh, that you can make all the rules in your life that you want, and it won't solve the problem. <laughs> Am I right? Over the history of the world, we have tried as parents, as fathers, to make rules to protect our daughters. <laughs> so far. <laughs> We have made rules as human beings to try to protect. And yet, there are some things in life that try as we may, that rule doesn't work. And we've seen this, right? There, this, there are shirts and you name it. Uh, there are guns. <laughs> there are all these rules about how to date my daughter. And yet, let's be honest, does that work? Does that rule, you can't date my daughter, work? Absolutely not. What does work, right? What works is that we, we can teach our children, our daughters, what to expect as a daughter. I didn't fully understand. I, I know I fully didn't understand that at all until I had daughters. And boy, does life change when you have daughters. It's the rules change, and you understand a whole lot better when you have daughters. And so uh, this, is, this is kind of a side note, but it's important, and I, and I think it needs to be spoken. As a father, I have a responsibility to train my daughter the way God would have me to train her. To remind her that she is important. To remind her that she is fearfully and wonderfully made. Men, husbands, if you want to teach your daughter how to be treated, go to Psalm 139 and, and memorize that baby. It's really long. But it's really, really, really powerful. Because it tells us exactly. It gives us those rules by saying, listen, you're special. You're special. You are a special being that God has created. Don't, don't take any less. Fathers, if you want your daughter to understand how to be treated, treat your wife the same way. More is caught than taught. And if you have sons, teach them how to treat their wife or future wife. It's important. I can remember telling my daughters that they were the queen of the world and that they shouldn't take anything less than the king. And I can remember telling my son that if he ever messed 
up a relationship with a young lady, that I'd have to take him out too, right? It's important. See, that's a rule that the world says, don't date. You can't date, treatment, whatever. And God says, you know what? This is a rule. This is the rule we can teach them. And the last piece of that that really sticks out to me is that there are times in our life when it's really awkward. There are times in our life when it's really awkward to share our heart, our feelings as a, as a father with our daughters. And I would just say this, guys. If you're there, it's a whole lot easy, uh, easier to talk about that discussion before something happens than trying to pick up the pieces after that happens. I want to encourage you, men of God, to follow hard after God. Remind your daughters how special they are. That they were created special. And that God loves them. Not only our daughters, but each one of us were created special. And that God loves us. We all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He forgave His only begotten Son that who should ever perish will have never have have everlasting life. But have you ever read 17? It says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather to save the world through Him. Rules don't work. The rules are not the solution. They may help make barriers. They may help make a fence. But for our sin, they don't solve the problem. They merely, as the Scripture says, remind us of the problem. The second uh, thing that the passage tells us is that the sacrifice, burnt offerings, did not solve the problem. The scales, I think in a lot of times in our, in our Christian walk, we think that if we can tip the scales in our favor, if we can do more good than bad, we can tip the scales in the favor that God will have favor on us. Now, we don't say that, right? Because I, I don't ever want to say that. But I, I look at the world and I talk to people and I if I only do this, God will have favor. If I only do this, if I spend more time doing this, if I, if I put more funds in here, God will have favor upon me. And so we go through life, we think, if I give more time, if I give more money, if I give more presents, God will have favor on me. And this scripture says, look at, look at the sacrifices that are given. Those did not solve the problem. They did not answer the part of they were not the solution what is the solution they weren't those were not the solution now if you want to go to a scripture that really sticks out and and i as i read this week i thought about the widow's might because we go there right and we say the widow the widow's might she gave it all and i and that's what it says it says she gave it all. 
but I would challenge you to take another look at that passage and look just before what, why Jesus even talks about the widow's might. He talks about the widow's might because in, in uh, chapter 20 of Luke, there's a bunch of Pharisees and scribes, and they're just walking around in their nice pretty robes. They're looking great. they got great seats, great spots. They're hamming it up with all the people around them. And in the midst of that, they're stealing, is what Jesus says. They're stealing from the widow. And so he's, he's not as concerned, in my mind, he's not as concerned about what the widow gave, but rather her heart. Because he says in Luke chapter 20, these Pharisees are doing this just to look good. They're offering prayers so that they'll be, people will be impressed. They got seats in the banquet. They're putting their, their money in. But the money they have is what they stole from the people like the widow. And he says it's not that the widow, it's important that the widow gave all, but it's just as important that the widow's heart was in the right place. Those Pharisees were just trying to look good. They just wanted to look good. They wanted people to think they had followed all the right sacrifices. That they had all the right stuff going on in their life. On the outside, it looked great. And Jesus says, but take a look for a moment at the inside. See, they didn't have the solution. They didn't know the true solution. Luke chapter 12 reminds us that where our treasure is, there our heart will also be. Where our treasure is. And just for a moment, I challenge you to think about where is your treasure? Where is your treasure this morning? What's the most important thing in your life? What's most important? See, the passage, as long as it is, continues to remind the Hebrews and reminds us that the only solution is Jesus. That is the only solution that we can deal that will change anything in our life. I want to encourage you. I've used this, past, this picture every week, and I want to encourage you to think about that and ask yourself that question. When was the last time I shared my faith with someone? When was the last time I shared my faith, offered the hope of Jesus with someone that I came in contact with? Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's sometime we need, this week we need to, to, to think about that. And we need to pray about that moment that we would have an opportunity to share our faith with someone else. I hope, I pray that God puts someone in your path. Someone in your path that you can share that with. And it may be just as something as simple as encouraging someone in their walk. Or picking something up for someone who has dropped something. The encouragement, though, is for you to look for that opportunity. See, it's easy to put your... I'm good at it. Put your head down, pull your hat a little closer, get your toe, check, check and make sure your toes are on there and be on a mission. It's a whole lot harder to look for that opportunity to share your faith. 
And for some of us, that's really scary because if I share my faith, they might ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. They might ask me something I can't, I can't explain. They might get theological on me, right? And I'm always reminded about the passage that talks about even babies and little, little children can understand the gospel. And I think, if little children can understand it, I should be okay. So I want to encourage you this morning to think about that opportunity in this upcoming week to share your faith. See, because there is only one solution. And this passage tells us there is only one solution. Jesus reminds us in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. You are going to go and you are going to hear all kinds of responses to how to get to heaven. I hear them all the time. If I follow the rules, I'll get to heaven. If I make enough sacrifices to tip that scale in my favor, I'll get to heaven. This passage reminds me that none of that stuff at the end of the day, it matters. What matters is the blood of Jesus. Period, over and out. Hebrews 10, 17. That was the verse we read that was extra today. It says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. The blood of Jesus makes the difference. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. We come to church sometimes and we think, if I come, I'll be clean. Or if I get here every week in my same spot, I'll be okay. And Scripture reminds us there is only one thing that will make you okay. In God's eyes. There's only one thing that will make me okay in God's eyes. It's His grace. It's His grace through His blood. Anything more is extra. And I want to challenge you, as I have challenged myself this week, this passage challenged me to think about the way I think about other people. Because I'm just as guilty as anyone else. I hear someone say a cuss word, and what do I think? What do you think? Does that person call themselves a Christian? Really? How dare they? Or we hear about a believer who falls, and somehow, somehow that makes us feel better. Because somehow we followed the rules just a little bit better than someone else. Or we sacrificed a little bit better than someone else. I know that's challenging because that's challenging for me to hear. And that was the challenge all week. I want to put my rules and my sacrifice and all those pieces and I want to put them in front of other people and somehow force that on other people. And I forget that it's God's blood that makes the difference. His grace that covers all of that. And that I probably ought to look in the mirror before I look any further. 
I want to leave you with this reminder this morning. That if you don't have a relationship with this Jesus Christ, if you haven't met him personally, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, I encourage you, I challenge you to come up here this morning to the altar and ask God to come into your life, to come into your heart. Jeremiah says, if you seek me, you will find me. It's not a maybe, it's not an if, it's a promise. It's a promise for each and every one of us. If we seek him, we will find him. And I want to encourage you to think about that today. If you don't have that relationship with him, if you haven't started a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ, you have that opportunity this morning. Don't leave here having not made that attempt, that opportunity to share in eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank You this morning for, the, for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for the reminder that we sometimes get hung up on the rules. And that we get hung up sometimes, Lord, on the sacrifices. And sometimes, Lord, we forget that it's Your grace that covers us. It's Your grace that makes us white as snow. Not what we have done, not what we can do, not what we have as abilities but Your grace. Quiet our hearts, Lord, as we sing this morning and remind us who You are in our lives. Lord, if someone hasn't made that decision, I pray that You would encourage their heart today. That You would challenge them to step out. In Your name we pray. Amen.